0: This is most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent His own Son into our world to die for your sins, and we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. First reading recorded in the Old Testament book of Numbers, chapter 12. Instead of seeking revenge, Moses showed kindness, compassion, and love. These words will serve as the basis for the sermon today. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? They asked. Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. At once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, Come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. So the three of them went out. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. He stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them stepped forward, he said, Listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The anger of the Lord burned against them, and he left them. When the cloud lifted from above the tent, Miriam's skin was leprous. It became as white as snow. Aaron turned toward her and saw that she had a defiling skin disease, and he said to Moses, Please, my Lord, I ask you not to hold against us the sin we have so foolishly committed. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with its flesh half eaten away. So Moses cried out to the Lord, Please, God, heal her. The Lord replied to Moses, if, a father, if her father had spit in her face, would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? Confine her outside the camp for seven days. After that, she can be brought back. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on till she was brought back. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. The highest compliment that you can pay a person is to try to be like them, to talk like them, and live like them, and think like them. Little children don't know they're doing it, but it's exactly what they do. That's why a little boy pushes his plastic bubble mower through the front yard, because he's mimicking what he sees his father do when he pushes the real lawnmower. That's what the little girl does when she turns anything into a phone and presses it up to the side of her face. She wants to be just like her mommy and she sees her mom using her cell phone just like that. But you don't have to be a little person to strive to imitate a grown-up. It's a high compliment when children strive to be like their parents. Maybe some of you have had that honor of Children, walking in your footsteps and choosing the profession that you chose for yourselves many years ago, whether that be the medical profession or the military or the public ministry or something else, it's a proud mom-dad moment when a child chooses to become something that mom or dad is. Do you remember the moment or moments that you started turning into your parents? I remember the first time I put something important in a safe place and then forgot where that safe place was. I didn't realize I was doing it at the time, but I remember this aha moment as I was unpacking Items from the department store, and I pulled two of the exact same shirt out of the bag, just different sizes, because one of them would fit and the other one I could easily return. It turns out I'm turning into my mother. I catch myself from time to time washing out a Ziploc bag. Or putting a smile on my face as I see the blue line on the navigation software and saying, but that line is straighter. I'm going that way. That must be faster, I'm sure. I guess I'm turning into my dad a little bit, too. Mm -hmm. But that's not a bad thing. My mom and dad did a good job of raising me and my three siblings. We all turned into good people, I think. I think they did a good job of parenting, and to imitate them is probably a pretty good idea. There are worse people that I could turn into than they. In our first reading, we have an account of some siblings, and at least in this account, the sibling rivalry that ensued. It wasn't a banner moment for the three of them, at least not for for two of them, but this account and the Holy Spirit inspiring this account gives us the opportunity to reflect a bit on humility and compassion and love. Moses was put in a pretty difficult situation, yet he handled that situation with dignity and class. He handled it by reflecting the love that he would have shown to him, and, and even more than that, He was a good leader, a great sibling, and everything in between because his heart was filled with the love of God. He didn't know he was doing it, but Moses was doing precisely what God asks us to do, to be an imitator of Christ. And that's my prayer this day, that we can follow Moses' example, that we can handle difficult situations in our lives the same way. And that we, like he, can be an imitator of Christ Jesus. Moses was used to fielding complaints. It was kind of part of the job as the leader of God's people, the children of Israel. The accounts of Numbers chapter 12, they take place not terribly far into Moses' tenure as leader. It takes place in between the time when God gives the ten commandments to Moses, etching them into the tablets of stone on the top of Mount Sinai. In between that event and when he sent the 12 spies to scout out this promised land that God was directing them to. All these events took place likely within the first two years of their wandering in the desert. And so Moses hadn't been a leader for too terribly long. They haven't been too far removed from their stepping into the wilderness yet the people found a way to complain. They, they showed how short their memories were. They showed really the attitude that was in their hearts. They felt like the grass was always greener on the other side of the Red Sea. How quickly they forgot that over on that other side they were living in slavery. How quickly they forgot the heavy hand of oppression that Pharaoh pressed down upon them. They found themselves longing to be back there. They were hungry, and God responded and fed them, and then like my five-year-old, they were hungry for something different, and God gave them something different as he provided for them quail. God miraculously provided and protected them, yet it seemed like they didn't even notice. Moses was used to complaining, but it still must have been a blindside hit when the complaints came from his very own brother and sister. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he also spoken through us? Hollywood has its power couples and power families and Moses was a member of the first one of those. Moses himself was the leader of God's people. His brother Aaron was the high priest, the spiritual leader of the people, the one who would offer sacrifices on their behalf, the one who would announce to them the forgiveness of sins that God had called on him to announce. Even Miriam had a position. We're told she was a prophetess. In the account that's recorded for us in Exodus chapter 15, immediately following the parting of the Red Sea, there's a song of praise, and and then a few verses we're told that the prophetess Miriam led the singing and the dancing and the praising of God. God had given each of them positions of power. He had given each of of them gifts for leadership. He had provided people to, to follow them, yet that wasn't good enough, at least not for Miriam. And Aaron, the debate begins with some questions about Moses' wife, but quickly that facade melts away, and we get to the heart of the issue. They were jealous. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he also spoken through us? They were jealous of Moses' position, jealous of the fact that God chose to speak through him. Jealous of the fact that God had put him in charge. It can be really easy to look at a Bible account like this, one where we see the obvious faults and failures of one of the characters, and to feel like we would do so much better in their shoes. It can be really easy to think that we are so far above the sin that is shown to us, the sin that is so obviously condemned, but the reality is we reject the authority that God puts in our lives all the time. All the time. Whether it's the sour attitude or slander-filled words that we share and proclaim about our government leaders... Maybe it's discontent with church leaders because they're not leading the church in the direction that would serve me best. Maybe they don't share my opinions about everything and it it causes me to get just a little bit angry or upset. Maybe it's jealousy for a brother or sister. Be they a literal brother or sister in my own family or maybe someone who's a member of the family of God that gathers here. At grace, time that I'm less than content with a gift that God has given me or the position in which He's put me to live, I'm accusing God of an error. How often don't we feel that it's unfair? that so-and-so over there has the well-paying job and the well-behaved kids and the well-polished life, and I'm the one who's struggling just to keep everything. Together, Maybe we get discontented because we feel like our faithfulness ought to be rewarded. I'm the one that's an outspoken and faithful Christian. I'm out there doing God's will every single day. Yet so-and-so over there even admits that they're just a casual Christian. It's unfair that my path is the one that has the rocks on it and they're life seems to be smooth sailing. The ugly words that we share and the even uglier thoughts that we allow to harbor in our hearts, they show just how far from contentment we really are. We know clearly the way that God has laid out before us. We know the way that he wants us to live, but we see a path that looks better. And so we follow it. The devil puts all sorts of bad examples and all sorts of excuses and lies in our path because he knows eventually we'll take the bait. And eventually we'll start following a a bad example. We'll start following the wrong one down the wrong path and then he's got us. He knows just how easily we'll follow the wrong leader and end up imitating the wrong things. And end up in the wrong place. When we choose to imitate the devil's ways instead of the ways that God has laid before us, we deserve the punishment that Miriam faced. The anger of the Lord burned against them, that's Miriam and Aaron, and God left them. When the cloud lifted from above the tent, Miriam's skin was leprous, it became white as snow. Aaron turned toward her and saw that she had a defiling skin disease. We deserve to have God leave us alone in our discontent. We deserve to God have, have God leave us to wallow in our self-conceit. We deserve to have God withdraw his presence from us and leave us to fend for ourselves. God really should leave us to deal with the mess of our lives that our sins have made. Leprosy was a death sentence. It would eat away at skin until you didn't have enough skin left to live. It would take appendages and then limbs and then your very life. Our sin is a death sentence too. Sin should eat away at us until there's nothing left to live it should take away our joy and our peace and finally our lives if no one intervenes sin should be our undoing if no one becomes an intercessor for us then sin would be the death of us god should remove his presence from us and we should dwell here on earth and forever in eternity without him in the tortures of hell But Christ Jesus interceded. Christ Jesus stepped in and healed us, just like he did for those lepers so many years ago, just like he did for many who were ailing of body and of soul. Christ Jesus provides healing. He heals us by providing for us the most potent medicine that this world has ever seen, the holy blood of God. Christ Jesus is willing to shed that holy blood so that we could be Forgiven, John reminds us of this glorious truth in his first letter. God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. It's amazing to think that Jesus healed us from our pride and discontent and sin by being the opposite Jesus was always fully content with the plans that God had laid out before him, even when that path led to a cross. Jesus was always perfectly humble, seeking the needs and best interests of those around him. Jesus lived a life of humble perfection, living his life under God's law and satisfying every demand and desire of God's law because that was a life we never could live. Those were demands that we never could meet, so Jesus humbly met them for us. He became the perfection that God's law required, and then he gave us that perfection with his death on the cross. He robed us in his righteousness and made us to be healed, to be pure, and to be holy in his sight. Though Moses didn't know his name and never met him, he didn't know what he was doing. He was just doing what came naturally, but Moses was, in fact, doing exactly what God calls on us to do. He was being an imitator of Christ. Not a shred of delight that his accusers were put down a notch or two, that they had just a little bit of what they had coming. No, Moses didn't say, Take that or or serves you right. All that Moses had was a desire that Miriam be healed. So Moses cried out to the Lord, please God, heal her. All that Jesus had for us was a desire that we be healed. Not even a smidge of joy that we might struggle and suffer just a little bit. No joy in Christ's mind to find that we who caused his death might be reminded of that truth in just a way or two. Jesus had no desire that he could say, take that or or, serves you right. All that Jesus had was the desire that we be healed. And so he came and did everything that was required for that healing to come to us. He came and lived that life and died <clears throat> and died that death. He came to make himself the sacrifice so that we could be whole and alive and so that we could have a future with him forever in heaven. And that's the attitude that God gives us to share with the world. That same attitude that Christ Jesus had about us is the attitude and the life that we can live as we interact with those around us. That's what the Apostle Paul had in mind when he said, in Ephesians chapter 5, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. When temptations towards jealousy and pride come our way, remember the perfect life that Jesus lived. When temptations to follow a different path come, resist those temptations with the blood of Christ and the power of his love. Instead of following the way that our sinful desires want to go, instead of becoming what the world wants of us and what the world truly is, be an imitator of Christ Follow and lead his example. Rejoice in the love that he's shown to you and seek to humbly serve him every day of your life. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. My friends, flatter and worship and praise your God. Seek to live like him every day. Follow in his footsteps, showing mercy and compassion and love. Reflect Christ like love. Be humble. Be a servant. Show the world Jesus. And as you do, as the Spirit chooses, and blesses your efforts, many more might join you in being an imitator of Christ, in sharing his love, in bringing glory to his name. What a privilege it is that we can follow in our Father's footsteps, that we can live the lives that he's enabled us to live, and that we can live our lives and walk that path with his promise of protection and blessing until we rest in the proud and loving embrace of our Father to begin endless days at his side in glory, washed, purified, glorified, and eternity in the presence of Jesus. It's ours. It's the free gift of God's grace because ours is a God of love. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.